So I, I'm excited to get to share tonight. Uh, early, I don't know, probably in June, uh, pastor called me up into his office and it's always exciting, scary. Like, is this good? Is this bad? What did I do? And come in and he's like, hey, so I want you to do one of the messages for the Solomon Says. I'm like, oh, cool. Which one? And then he's like, sexual immorality and porn. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, there's that, like that first thought of like, why? And like, like, okay, like, all right. And then you walk out and I'm like, oh no, this is good. This is good. This is good. And, and I'm, like, I'm thinking about these different things. I'm like, this needs to be talked about. And then <clears throat> things got really busy and I ended up being gone on a bunch of different camps and different things. And so it didn't happen. And then he goes, here, I want you to speak this Sunday night. And I made it, made it through most of those. So you can speak on whatever you want. And I'm like, freedom. <laughs> so I'm going to do something different. And I started working on this other message with some stuff I was really excited about. And I'm like, this isn't what I'm supposed to preach. This is what I want to preach, but this isn't what I'm supposed to preach. And I went back and I'm like, where were those notes I started working on earlier? And I looked at it. And when I did, I looked and I said, you know, I have these statistics right in the beginning. It says that 70% of men ages 18 to 34 look at porn weekly. One in three women look at porn weekly. That sex just in America alone, has become a multi-billion dollar industry. That the number of scenes, of sexual scenes, in our television shows has doubled. It says since 1998, but this, that stat was from 2005. I'm like, far out. What did they do since then? 56% of divorces involve one spouse's continued use of internet pornography. By the age of 11 most kids have encountered pornography. See, it used to be that if you wanted to find pornography, you had to go searching for it. If you wanted sexual immorality of any kind, it was like you had to be on a mission to go find it. But now it's on a mission to find you. Like I remember being in my parents' living room with my mom just over here and another friend who's now a pastor on staff standing right beside me at the computer that's facing where everybody can see the screen and we're shopping for a leash for a snowboard. Like, this is about as innocent as we can go and we're typing something in, we're looking and all of a sudden, lo and behold, that was not a leash for a snowboard. And you're like, ah! and like you don't want to find that anyways. And you're like, yeah, you're like, it, it just, it has become invasive where you don't have to be searching for it. It comes searching for you. And I begin to, to look at this. I'm like, no, no, this is, this is what I'm supposed to teach. And it just became alive that going, everyone in here is going to encounter it. And some of you guys are like, yeah, it's popped up here, there, whatever. It doesn't, you know, I'm good. I can get out of there quick. Some of you guys are like, what's a computer? Um, you, you avoid a lot of it that way. Um, but even if it's not an area that you deal with at all, I promise you that you deal with people who are dealing with it. If statistically it's 70% of guys and one out of three girls in your row, someone is dealing with it. Like it's just statistically an issue. So as I begin to, to um, look at this, Proverbs says, pay close attention, my son, and let my life be your example. Prostitutes and immoral women are a deadly trap. They wait for you like a robber and cause many men 
to be unfaithful. And it, and it just, it makes this, says it, this is a trap. And we're going to play with that because I've done youth ministry for a long time. And so I, I brought a trap and we're going to have fun with that in just a minute. But as I, as I begin to look at this, um, before we get very far into to discussing it, you need to understand what most of you already understand is that the Bible says that sex is for inside of marriage. In 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Um, sexual immorality, someone goes, well, what does that mean? That means adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, and the list goes on. And I, I begin to go, okay, I don't need to tell everybody that, that it's, no, I don't have to read a whole bunch of verses. I was gonna skip over this. And then I remembered a story about a girl, or from a girl that I'm going to name Sue. Her parents gave her a different name, but I name her Sue. So Sue grew up in the church, was highly involved in the church. And then Sue ended up pregnant. Um, she wasn't married. And we were having some conversations. And what came, what came out of um, some of this was that she'd heard it secondhand that, the, that you're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage. But she couldn't tell you one verse where the Bible addressed it. And so she ends up dating a guy who's like, well, it says that it's outside of marriage because they didn't really love each other, didn't have a commitment. And so it's addressing this other issue over here and we love each other and we're like probably gonna get married. And so it doesn't really apply to us so that we can do this. And she was not armed with enough word to go, no. That's a lie from hell. And if you don't respect my body, now you wouldn't respect it later and I should say no and I should run away. Um, and so I wanna make sure that all of you guys feel very equipped that this isn't Pastor Daniel says, but this is what God, this is what the Bible says. So I'm gonna read a couple verses real quick. And if you want the references, I'll repeat them again later for you. Um, Galatians 5.19 says, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. And for those who are like, fornication, what's that? Sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. Ephesians 5.13 says, but fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as fitting for the saints. Colossians 3.5 says, therefore put to death your members which are on, um, are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. And so you, you get this, and those are not all of the scriptures on the subject. There's a lot of them, but I wanted to give you some so you could say, okay, this isn't pastors against it. This is the Bible says that sex is for inside of marriage. And a lot of times we get this, well, that's because God's wanting to see if I'll obey him by giving me hard rules. God is not an ogre. God is not out trying to rob people of fun going, here, can you jump through this hoop? <laughs> what about this one? And like, that's, that's not how God works. God loves you and wants the best for you. So when he says that something is a trap, it's because it's a trap. And if you look at it and go, it doesn't look like a trap to me, that's because you don't recognize it. And that doesn't mean that God's wrong it means that you don't yet have the capacity to comprehend the thing that he's warning you about. I'm a father. I have four kids. My oldest is seven, which means I'm telling them a lot that they don't understand. 
I have a one-year-old, three-year-old, six-year-old, and seven-year-old. And it is very, very common that I tell them something and that I warn them and they don't get it. They're like, don't touch it because it's hot, but I want it. And they, some of them don't yet have the capacity to comprehend what that means. And so it appears to them that I am just trying to rob them of the fun of helping dad cook. And it appears that I'm an ogre. When the reality is, no, I just love you. And I love you enough that I don't want you to get burned. My, my three-year-old is at the stage where he desperately wants to, to be independent. And so it is a very common phrase. Do it by myself. Don't need help. And like, and he wants to do it. And that often can include going across the parking lot. But he does not yet have the capacity to comprehend the dangers that lie in the parking lot. And so he gets frustrated as we begin to holler at him as he begins to run towards the car. And he's getting a little bit better at it, at listening, though he hasn't still grasped the reasons why. But it's important that he knows not why dad says everything, but that he knows that dad loves him. And that dad speaks this, not because dad's trying to limit him, but because dad loves him enough to protect him, even if he doesn't yet have the capacity to comprehend why. And a lot of times the world, the media is working so hard to make sexual immorality normal that it becomes this thing of, well, everybody's doing it. What's the big deal? Everybody has sex before marriage. Then you look at them and you go, yeah, but they'd also tell you that everybody's getting divorced. So apparently it's not working out so well for them. And there's this, this lie that comes forward. And a lot of times we don't understand why. Proverbs 5.22 says, his own iniquities entrap the wicked man and he is caught in the cords of his sin. So this trap should go off if I push this little button here. But think I can push it without it going off? Because that's what a lot of people do. They're like, well, well, God said not to do it, but you think I can do it and not have any consequences? Because I just like touched it and it didn't snap. You know, do you think I could get just a little closer and play with it just a little bit more? And I just kind of bumped it. And I seem to be okay. You know, I know the Bible said that I shouldn't look at that, but it just kind of popped up and it was really interesting. And so I kind of kept looking. Or, you know, I know the Bible says that we shouldn't do that, that we shouldn't have sex until we're married, but we're probably going to get married. Like we're engaged. So this is obviously not going to cause any problems. And you know, I think that it's probably all... And then sooner or later, if you play with the trap, it's going to go. It's going to get snapped. And a lot of times we believe because I didn't yet see the consequences of my actions that there are none. But the fact that I haven't seen the consequences yet doesn't mean that there are no consequences. Doesn't mean that I'm actually going to get away with it. And just because I'm, I'm playing with it, just because it looks good, tastes good, feels good, doesn't make it okay and doesn't make it a good idea. Anyone ever go fishing? Anyone ever use live bait? Okay, can I tell you something important about live bait? It is actually what the fish is looking for. It's gonna taste good. It's gonna smell good. It's gonna look good. Is it good for the fish? No, it has a hook in it. And so just because something looks good, smells good, doesn't make it okay. And a lot of times we're playing this Russian roulette of how much can I get away with before it goes off? 
And, and as much as we could spend a lot of time talking about avoiding this, we'll, we'll make it back to the, a little bit of that. But I want to address some of those who say, you know what? I've messed up. And a lot of you guys, most of you are going to encounter someone at some point in time who is messed up. Who is who has blown it, whether that's somebody who's gonna walk in pregnant who's not married, whether that's somebody whose porn addiction gets them fired, whether it just comes to life in their marriage, whether it becomes because they're cheating, whatever it is, there's something very, 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 very important that you understand. God loves you right where you're at, even if he doesn't love where you're at. Um and this is, this is so, so huge. See, the story of the prodigal son, you can find it in Luke chapter 15. But I'm going to skip through most of the story. If you want to read it, go ahead and read it. But this is what's important. There's a father whose son, one of his sons goes off and decides, I am going to do every stupid thing dad told me not to do. I'm going to take all of dad's money after I wish dad was dead. I'm going to take his stuff and I'm going to go use that to do everything I shouldn't do. And you would think this father would be angry, would be upset. And in that upsetness, he would let that drive a wedge between him and his son. But what it says is he compared, the Bible compares the father to God is that he stood there, that he noticed his son when his son returned a long way off, that he was looking for him, that he still loved him and that he wanted, still wanted a relationship with him and he wanted healing and restoration. And for us to know that when we make mistakes, that God isn't done with us. And when somebody else makes mistakes, Jesus loved people where they were at, even when he didn't love where they were at. He loved those trapped by lying, stealing, lust, homosexuality, pride, gossip, bullying. But that doesn't mean that he approves of the behavior. And there's this like lie that's, that's constantly presented that you can't love somebody and disagree with them at the same time. And they're like, well... If you say that I'm wrong, it's because you don't love me and you're judgy. And that's baloney. Um, and they, they present this and they present that anybody who doesn't affirm them is a bigot and is a prude. And they, they, they've got all these different things. But <clears throat> if we rewind, change the context just a second and remind you, I'm a dad. Okay, I love my kids. I love them with all my heart. Does that mean I approve of everything that they do? Absolutely not. My one-year-old has this strange fascination with dog food. I don't understand why, but we've got to like make sure that it's like locked up out of her reach. And she's got these little arms that can reach into the dog cage. And so if you don't like take the dog food and scooch it to like the back center of the cage, you'll all of a sudden find her and you're like, what's Esther got? And like, you'll, you recognize it. And she just, now, shoving it in her mouth and you're like, no, no, don't eat that. Now I tell her no and I disagree and I disapprove of her life choice of eating dog food. But does that mean that I don't love her? Absolutely not. In fact, it's because I love her that I disapprove of her dog food eating lifestyle that she was trying to choose. You know, there, there's this thing that just because I I don't approve because I stop her because I'm upset by something doesn't mean that I don't love her. I get very upset when Titus tries to run across the parking lot. And it's not because I don't love him. It's because I do love him. 
And because I know that that lifestyle of a choice is damaging. And he might be able to get away with it sometimes. But it will destroy him if he continues to run across parking lots without looking. He's too short, too small, and too fast. And so he'll end up in danger and someone won't know it until they hear a thud. And that's too late. And so I love him. And so I will disapprove of the behavior because I long for the best for my son. So if I can love my son and as an act of love, disagree and not approve of a behavior, then it's possible to love somebody while disagreeing with a choice that they're making. See, Jesus loved people, but that doesn't mean he approved of everything. See, there was this this story in in John chapter 8, verses um, like 1 through 11. And Jesus is there in the Pharisees that are all about the rules and forgot the reason for the rules. That it was because God loved people and wanted the best for people drag a girl who's been committing adultery that they caught in the act. So they're, they're just dragging her there. Now they caught her in the act. So that means there was somebody else there, but they're not really concerned about the justice. They're trying just to, to judge somebody and they drag, because they didn't drag the guy too. It was just the girl they drug up. And they go, hey, Jesus, <clears throat> she just committed adultery. That's not allowed. Let's, the Bible says, you know, back in the Old Testament, Moses said that we could stone someone like this. What do you say? And Jesus doesn't look at them and go, hey guys, I'm awesome. I'm Jesus. I'm going to die for her sins so we can just ignore them. He doesn't look at them and say, well, now it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. But he doesn't look at them and say, stoner. He just looks at them and goes, okay. But he's without without sin, cast the first stone. And then it says that they begin to leave or then it says that he wrote in the dust. Then they begin to leave from the oldest to the youngest. And that always baffled me. And like, I've heard some people say it's because Jesus started like writing in the sand, like a date and time. And they're like, ooh, that was me. And like, he started working his way from the oldest. I personally think it's because old people are smart. Yep, they've been around a long time and they knew that they have done a lot of stupid things. It wasn't like, the, the guy who's 60 is not like, he, he's like, uh, yep, you know what? I have made plenty of mistakes and everyone here has. This is not gonna, nothing's gonna happen. That guy who's like 18 is like, maybe I've blown it, but somebody else hasn't. They'll throw the first one. I got the second one and they're just like waiting until everyone else just starts disappearing. Like, what's going on? Okay, do-do-do. And they, they finally, they all disappear. But then Jesus looks at her and this is, this is, this is like monumental right here. He looks at, you, at this woman and he goes, where are your accusers? Like, they're gone. He goes, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And in this statement, he goes, I love you right where you're at, but where you're at isn't okay. But I still love you. And this, this position of it's not okay but I love you and want you to be whole, I want you to be healed, is so, so important. Again, you find Jesus in, in the Gospels. He says this, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he's hanging around people who, who are making some choices that need help. And he goes, where you're at isn't okay, but I'm here because it's not okay. Okay. 
I'm here because I love you, but that doesn't mean that everything that you're doing is okay. And they go, fair enough. I need to change. And they change. And it says, the Bible says that it's his kindness that draws us to repentance. And, and sometimes as the church, we've struggled with this. But we're supposed to, to model after Jesus and this love for people that heals, brings healing and brings restoration, not that brings judgment and condemnation. And what's, what's, what's really important, and parents, grandparents, leaders, this is especially, especially true for you. How you respond is often how they view God's response. So if when somebody comes in and they've, they've blown it, whether it was with pornography, sleeping around, cheating, whatever, whatever it was that they did, whether it's, you know what, hey, they came out and said, hey, I'm a homosexual, whatever. How you respond is how they think God responds. And if you respond with, you know what, I love you, even if I don't approve. I'm for you as a person, but I don't approve of X, Y, and Z. Then they go, you know what? God still loves me. But when, if we just look and just cast judgment and no love, they go, well, God's done with me. And they, they tend to, to walk away because they go, oh, well, <clears throat> if that's how God is, if that's how God sees it, and they begin to see church as the place that's judgy rather than the place that brings healing. And Jesus came in to make this the place where people could receive healing, where people would encounter his love, his grace, and his mercy that transforms lives and sets them free so they don't have to live in bondage any longer. And that's what we get to carry. And we get to carry this, this love. And so if, if we're carrying this love, it's, it's amazing and it sets people free. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, um, there's, there's an amazing, actually it's 6, 9 through 11 verse. He goes, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, or men who practice homosexually, or thieves, or greedy, or drunkards, or revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. And I read that one time, and all of a sudden, the fact that such were you is past tense, like jumped off the page. I'm like, wait! What they were is no longer what they are. That, that this isn't the end. That, that the mistakes that they made, the choices that they made, don't need to be who they are for the rest of their life. That he doesn't look at them and goes, well, once upon a time, this is what you did, so this is who you are. He goes, no, 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 no. That's not what, who you are, that's who you were, and you are now a new creation. That there is forgiveness in Christ, and you don't have to be what you were. You get to now be in Christ with him, and you are now the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And there's a transformation of identity that sets people free. And that's something that if you're struggling to know that what you were doesn't need to be who you are any longer, that Christ came to set you free. And if you're encountering somebody else who's broken, who's hurting, who's making mistakes, that what they were and what they're struggling with does not need to be their identity, that God wants to set them free and that God has good things for them and that what they were doesn't need to be who they are. And not to look and to go, well, and it's, it's easy to judge people who sin in a different area than you. 
Because we all struggle with something. And, and some people are more prone to having temper issues. Some people have self-control and their money issues. Some people have issues in the lust department. Some people have lust issues towards women, towards men, towards whatever. And, and it varies, but it doesn't justify. And it's very easy to go and to condemn others because they're tempted in a different area, in an area that doesn't seem to be a struggle for you. And I wanted to just give a reminder that the, that the Bible says that, um, that David, uh, we'll go, actually we'll start in Proverbs. Proverbs 7 says, not to stray into the path of the immoral woman. And in verse 26, this is chapter 7, verse 26, it says, for she has cast down many wounded, many strong men have been slain by her. He goes, lust has gotten the better of a lot of really strong people. And I begin to look through the Bible, you look at David, who'd been marked as a man after God's own heart. Yet when he began to compromise, things began to slip and sex got the better of him. His son, Solomon, who was marked as the wisest man, let his lust get the better of him. And he ended up with a thousand wives and they led his heart astray and messed him up. You begin to look at Samson, the strongest, lust, got the better of him, kept getting him in situations that got him in trouble. And in the end, they took him and they, it cost him his life. And I begin to look at this and go, okay, so, so these great characters in the Bible struggled with this. So I can't be surprised when somebody else struggles with it. I don't need to, to think in judgment of them. I get to speak life. I get to love them and I get to help them because Jesus loves them right where they're at, even if he doesn't love where they're at. Um, so, then, so then now now what? Because freedom requires direction. Freedom is going to re require some effort. Um, if you keep doing what you have been doing, you'll keep staying where you have been. Um, 2 Timothy 2.22 says, so flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. It's not just Flee youthful us. It's flee this and pursue this. Um, uh, Pastor Dwayne, in, in his book, he write, writes, it's not just deciding what you won't do. You have to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Plans that simply involve willpower to quit doing wrong have a poor chance of success. How many of you guys still have an imagination? I was working with the uh, res kids this morning, and so we had very active imaginations, and we had some imagination play this morning. But if, if I don't think of elephants, don't think about elephants and their gray color, massive size, big ears, long trunks, or their white tusks that are made of ivory because the elephant is huge and awesome and strong and can break down trees. What are you thinking about elephants? None of you guys were thinking about elephants six minutes ago. But all of a sudden, as soon as it's don't think about elephants, you're thinking about elephants. And a lot of times, that's how people try to get free. Don't think lustful thoughts. Don't think lustful thoughts. Don't do... What is your predominant thought? Lust. And they're like, they're like focused on it. Don't do that. Don't do that. And they're like, they're focused and they're like, I don't know why I can't get free. And, and, and they're struggling and they're, they're going, but I'm putting all of my effort and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm working so hard and I'm, and I'm struggling. 
but that's still the, their focus. And James tells us in the Bible, it says, let no one say he is tempted when he's tempted that I'm being tempted by God for God cannot tempt um, with evil. He himself isn't tempted by no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Your, your focus fills your heart and gives birth to desire and desire brings actions and your actions become the story of your life. So when this is your predominant thought, it's going to produce desire in you. That desire becomes <clears throat> hard to battle when that's your predominant thought. And he goes through and says that you need to, to renew your mind when you want to be set free. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He goes that you're going to get this in. And when you begin to go, okay, instead of looking, just don't, 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 don't. He goes, look over here and go, I'm going to. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to be a man of character and integrity and honor God with all my heart. I'm going to purpose in my heart to seek God. I'm going to, um, Daniel 1.8 says that D Daniel purposed in his heart. Job 31.1 says that, uh, Job said he's made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustily upon a young woman. Psalms 101 verse three says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the works of those that fall away. They shall not cling to me. Um, I'm gonna tell you a secret. This works if you're struggling with sexual immorality, with pornography, with a temper, with basically anything. The most powerful voice in your life is yours. When I tell you something, it comes at you from the outside and you weigh it. And you go, do I believe it? Do I agree it with it? Do I accept it? And you weigh that right there in front of you. But you want to know whose voice is on the other side of that? Yours. You have bypassed weighing it when you begin to speak it. When you begin to speak it, and, and a lot of us have this, this horrible self-talk and it, it, it causes us to get trapped in things where we do it and we're like, oh, I'm so stupid. Okay, when you're confessing that you're stupid, what are the odds that you make a smart choice? And we can say, oh, I'm so addicted to this. And, and it's, it's something to note that, that pornography, that sexual immorality literally has addictive, like it is as addictive as a drug. It releases the same chemicals in your brain that a lot of these drugs that they're taking are releasing that they're aiming for. And so it is a real thing. And if you're focused on it and you're, you're headed that direction, that's gonna be this massive battle. But if, if you go, okay, if I'm going to live out of my identity and when I begin to speak and if you begin to speak and go, I'm so addicted, I'm so stuck and this is, and I'll never change and I can never, oh, I always fail, then you're setting yourself in this cycle. But if you'll sit here and go, okay, I'm gonna begin to confess God's word because I am no longer an addict of sex, an addict of pornography. I am a redeemed child of God. I am a man of character and integrity. I have a heart that wants to do what's right. I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a young woman. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the works of those who fall away. That sh they shall not cling to me. And you begin to confess some of those and you begin to speak those, not as someday I will, but this is who I am. It will not take long. If you'll begin to confess those, then it will begin to shape how you see you. 
When this begins to change, what the Bible says this is, is this is called renewing your mind. You begin to get God's word in and you begin to speak it and you begin to shape your you as a reflection of this what will happen when it's contrary is all of a sudden a flag will go up. You're sitting here and you're like, oh, I'm gonna just wait. No, that's not who I am. I, that's not who I wanna be. And all of a sudden you have this choice and it like, it reinstitutes this flag that says, no, I can't go down that road because that's not who I am. I'm a man of character and integrity and I honor my wife by how I look at her and by how I look at every other girl or don't look at every other girl. And it begins to become this, this change point in your life. It begins to be, to, to speak life. It begins to renew your mind. And as you renew your mind, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter five says this, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Don't play on a trap. Don't see how close. And this is where a lot of people live. They're like, well, I'm not, I've, I've heard teens, we're not gonna have sex. We're just gonna see how close we can come. Okay, you're gonna blow it. You already blew it. Like, you know, Jesus said, if you're looking at her with lust in your heart, that you are in the wrong. You're seeing how close, you're, 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 you're there. But what happens is a lot of times we don't remove ourselves from it, especially when you're conquering an addiction, something that's had a hold of you, and it becomes... It gives way to the devil. In fact, in chapter seven, wisdom looks out her window and says, I've seen among the simple, I've perceived among the youth, a young man lacking sense. And I read that once and I'm like, how does it know this guy is stupid? She looks out her window and goes, oh, that's stupid. How do you know he's stupid? Does he have a sign, a big shirt that says, I'm with stupid and points up? Like, how, how do you know? But... It goes on because he's hanging out near her corner. He's playing near danger. And a lot of times people say, I want to be free. And they stay hanging out on the trap. They see here and go, you know what? We're going to honor God with our relationship. And we're going to stop having sex outside of marriage. But we're going to hang out alone in the house every other night when no one else, you know, is, is expected to come home and we're just going to lay on the couch while we watch something and I don't know what happened. Surprise. And like, you're, 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 you're playing right with it or you get this guy who's been struggling with pornography and he just sits there on his phone and he hangs out on his phone late at night when no one else is around and you're like, you, you're just searching the web blindly in the, what do you think is going to happen? And so, in fact, Jesus says this. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And I've heard people they look at that like, whoa, that's so extreme. Okay. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He didn't say, if your hand causes you to sin, cut your head off. That's not what he said. He didn't say, cut your shoulder off. He said, cut your hand off. And he ran through a series of these. And I began to think. If my hand's causing me to sin, my shoulder's involved. But he cut off way down here. So if my phone's cause, if my eye's causing me to sin through my phone, rather than gouge out my eye, maybe I get rid of my data plan. 
maybe I change my relationship and stop, I cut off hanging out alone in the house where we keep having sex. Maybe I get a filter on my, my thing and I cut off the lack of accountability that I've had. And I cut off something and I go, you know what? I'm going to make a change and I'm going to stop flirting with sin and seeing how close to it I can come because I want to experience freedom. And I'm going to stop playing with sin and I'm going to begin to renew my mind and go, this is who I am in Christ. I'm going to get somebody godly in my life who will call me out, someone who will speak into my life because I don't want to live life trapped by sin any longer because I want to honor God. And no matter what the world says, no matter how normal they make it, this is an area that we're called to honor God. And God said it, not because he wants to be an ogre, because he wants to set you free. Because he knows the effects that it can have. He knows the damage that it can have to you as an individual, to your marriage. And there's tons of fun stats that we could get into on, on its effects. But that's a whole nother message. And what I wanted you to understand is that the Bible declares it to be wrong, but God loves you right where you're at, no matter where you're at. And as we deal with other people, God loves them right where they're at, even if he doesn't love where they're at. That we're called to show that same love and that grace that, that Jesus showed to them and that his kindness can draw them to repentance and that you'll find freedom when you stop playing with sin and you begin to go, I'm going to pursue you. And as I begin to pursue you, who do you say that I am? and let that begin to reshape you. But as, we, as, we, as I get ready to close, the band can come back up. <clears throat> God loves you right where you're at, no matter where you're at. Whether you've been caught in some kind of sexual sin, where you say, you know what? No, I've been caught in greed. I've been caught in, caught in pride. I've been caught in, um, in anger. You know what? I've just been trying to do life on my own. God loves you. God wants a relationship with you and he wants you to be free and he wants you to walk in relationship with him. Can I get everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here and you're saying, what well, today, I want that relationship with him. I want that freedom. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Lord and to say, God, I respond and I want your forgiveness and I want to live for you. So everyone's got their heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. So that's me. I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm on my way to heaven. Awesome. God, I thank you for each person here that we can be filled with your love and your grace. God, that you love us right where we're at even when you don't love where we're at. And God, that you would show your love through us and that your kindness would draw others to repentance. And God, that you could have your way in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We've got a prayer team that's going to be available full of um, the, the prayer partners, deacons, pastors. Um, if you're struggling, we'd love to pray with you. If someone who's struggling is affecting you, we'd love to pray for you. If you say, no, no, I'm, those areas, I'm good, but I need, I need a prayer. I don't care if it's your finances or whatever, your health. We're here as we go into this, this um, next song. We'd love to, to pray for you if you're going through it. So, um, prayer team is coming forward and um, as we go into sing um, we'd love to pray for you